facts and hopes in immunotherapy for early-stage triple-negative breast cancer. An article by Iris Nederloff, Leonie Wolbeck and Marlene Koch from the Netherlands Cancer Institute, Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Clinical Cancer Research, 2023. Abstract. A substantial fraction of early-stage triple-negative breast cancer, ETNBC, is characterized by higher levels of stromal tumor-filtrating lymphocytes, STIL, and has a good prognosis even without systemic treatment, highlighting the importance of an endogenous anti-cancer immune response. Still, a considerable proportion of patients with ETNBC need some therapeutical push to kickstart this immune response. Exploiting this immune response with immune checkpoint inhibition, ICI, in combination with chemotherapy, has made its way into standards of care in ETNBC. Major challenges in the near future include finding those patients with ETNBC who can be treated with ICI alone or with a reduced chemotherapy backbone. Exploring the optimal duration of ICI and finding biomarkers to predict response will be key to enable personalized implementation of ICI in patients with ETMBC. For patients who currently do not respond effectively to ICI plus chemotherapy, challenges lie in finding new immunomodulatory therapies and developing response-guided neoadjuvant approaches. Introduction Triple negative breast cancer, TNBC, is characterized by the lack of expression of the estrogen receptor ER and progesterone receptor and no amplification of the HER2 receptor. Typically, TNBCs are poorly differentiated and have a high profilation rate. Approximately 40% to 50% of early-stage ETMBC patients achieve a pathologic complete response PCR to neoadjuvant chemotherapy NAC, which translates into excellent survival. Increased levels of stromal tumor infiltrating lymphocytes STIL are clearly associated with a high likelihood to reach a PCR after NAC in TNBC. Nevertheless, historically breast tumors have long been considered as immunotherapically cold with a lower level of new antigens and immune cell infiltration compared with other solid tumors. Decades of research have proven there is immense heterogeneity between breast tumors in terms of genetic drivers, immune infiltration and treatment response. The immune infiltration of TMBC has particularly gained interest of the past decade. We now know that ETMBC has relatively high levels of TILs compared with, for example, luminal breast cancer, and that the level of TILs in ETMBC may serve as a surrogate marker for the endogenous immune response in the tumor. This is exemplified by the positive correlation between the level of STIL prognosis and response to chemotherapy in ETMBC patients. ETMBC patients, therefore, should be considered as having a potentially immunologically active tumor that can be exploited by therapies targeting activation or reinvigoration of immune cells. Chemotherapy 
partially exploits this inherent immunity alongside its classical goal of direct hemolysis by inducing immunogenic cell death and by specific immunomodulatory capacities such as increased MHC class 1 expression or reduction of immunosuppressive cells. Until recently, the standard of care SOC for EATMBC consisted of curative intent systemic chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and surgery. New adjuvant chemotherapy is the cornerstone of current practice, and the treatment landscape is rapidly changing with new new adjuvant additions, such as carboplatin, KP17, or Olaparib for BRCA. 1-2 mutation carriers. Recently, the addition of immuno checkpoint inhibitors ICI to chemotherapy has been explored in several clinical trials. The addition of programmed death 1 PD1 blockade to chemotherapy increases PCR rates and event-free survival EFS for EATMBC patients, proving that not all breast tumors are too cold to waken. This milestone should be considered only as the starting point of immunotherapy implementation in daily clinical practice as major challenges lie ahead of us to achieve personalized medicine for ATMBC. In this review, we will first briefly summarize where we stand now with immunotherapy in ATMBC. Next, the scientific challenges that lie ahead of us to optimize time and combine immunotherapy for ETMBC will be discussed and how the use of baseline and dynamic biomarkers will potentially guide us in more precise patient and therapy selection. New adjuvant NTPD1 plus chemo, the new standard of care in 2022. The results of several phase 2 and 3 trials combining ICI with NAC in ETMBC have been reported of the last years. The pivotal phase 3 keynote 522 trial randomized stage 2 3 TMBC patients to new adjuvant chemotherapy, including anthracyclines, cyclophosphamide AC, plus taxinase, carboplatin with or without the addition of new adjuvant and adjuvant pembrolizumab. The PCR rate in the placebo arm was 51.2% as compared with 64.8% in pembrolizumab arm in the first 602 patients and 55.6% in the placebo arm compared with 63% in the pembrolizumab arm. At the second interim analysis with 1,174 patients randomized. With a hazard ratio of 0.63, a statistically significant improvement in EFS was seen in patients receiving new adjuvant and adjuvant pembrolizumab compared with the placebo arm. These intriguing results led to the FDA approval and recent EMA recommendation for this regimen for ETMBC. Recently, it was shown that particularly patients with a residual disease burden RCEB category 2 had improved EFS with addition of pembrolizumab, illustrating that for this group of patients, ICI adds 
to do long-term tumor control, but this effect was limited in patients with RCB category 0, corresponding with PCR 1, minimal residual disease, or 3, extensive residual disease. It is tempting to speculate why there are differences in EFS according to RCB category. Patients with RCB001 after NAC probably have an excellent prognosis without the addition of ICI, whereas patients with RCB3 most likely comprise the subgroup of ETMBCs with aggressive features and limited immune cell infiltration, non-responsive to chemotherapy or ICI. It remains to be determined why patients with RCB2 have long-term benefit from the addition of ICI, but we hypothesize that NAC plus ICI shapes the TME of this subgroup into an immune-rich system with long-term immune control. Similarly, the combination of new adjuvant atezolizumab and AC plus NAB paclitaxel, including one year of adjuvant atezolizumab, in the IM Passion 031 significantly increased PCR rates from 41% in the placebo arm to 58% in the atezolizumab arm. Although mature EFS has yet to be reported, the first interim analysis showed a significant hazard ratio of 0.67 in favor of atezolizumab. Three other undermised phase 2-3 new adjuvant clinical trials have reported a primary endpoint. In the I-SPY2 trial arm with pembrolizumab plus AC and paclitaxel, an estimated PCR rate was observed of 60%, whereas this was 47% in the arm with durvalumab and olaparib plus AC and paclitaxel. PCR rates in the rolling control arm were 22% and 27% respectively, which is substantially lower as compared with historical trials. In the Depart Nouveau, the addition of new adjuvant Durvalumab to AC and NAB paclitaxel led to a numerical improvement of PCR rates from 44.2% in the placebo arm to 53.4% in the durvalumab arm, but this was not statistically significant. The three-year disease-free survival DFS was numerically higher in the durvalumab arm than in the placebo arm. The three-year distant and three-year overall survival, 95.2 versus 83.5. Durvalumab added to new adjuvant chemotherapy and TMBC therefore improved long-term outcome despite a small PCR increase and no continuation of ICI after surgery. In the new TREP study, atezolizumab was added to new adjuvant carboplatin and taxanese. And in this study, no numerical differences in PCR rate was observed between the placebo and the durvalumab arms. However, the primary endpoint of this study was EFS and has yet to be reported. Additionally, in the single-arm new packed study, a PCR rate of 58% was observed in TMBC patients treated with new adjuvant pembrolizumab, docetaxel, 
and carboplatin with a two-year EFS rate of 89% in all patients and 98% in the patients with a PCR without adjuvant use of pembrolizumab. Although the comparison between trials is hampered by differences in patient selection, experimental drug, and adjuvant ICI component, and chemotherapy backbone, it is tempting to speculate on the results seen so far in the new adjuvant immunotherapy TMBC space. Although IMPassion031 and Keynote522 report significantly higher PCR rates with addition of ICI, this was not observed in the smaller trials, New Trip and Gepard Nuvo. One of the reasons could be the lack of anthracyclines in the chemotherapy backbone in New Trip, as previously studies suggested potential synergy of anthracyclines with ICI. However, the PCR rate of 58% in the new PAC trial, which also omitted anthracyclines, would argue against this. Additionally, slight differences in baseline characteristics, such as a high rate of node-positive patients in the new TRIP trial, could have potentially negatively affected the clinical results. Moreover, it is still up to debate whether or not PCR is the best endpoint of interest for patients treated with chemotherapy plus ICI for ENTBC as the Gepard Nuovo trial had no adjuvant ICI component and still demonstrated the survival benefit of new adjuvant Durvalumab of a placebo, it remains to be determined whether adjuvant ICI in all patients or patients with residual disease is needed. Three-year EFS rates in the Keynote 522 with new adjuvant ICI seem to be remarkably similar to three-year DFS rates in the Gepard Nuovo without adjuvant ICI. As data from other tumor types show that ICI is presumably more effective in the new adjuvant setting with an in-situ primary tumor needed to elicit an immune response, it is likely that adjuvant ICI after new adjuvant ICI does not contribute much to survival. Whether this is the case in TMBC is currently evaluated in ongoing clinical trials. Yet, the expectation is that adjuvant ICI after PCR might be redundant and that adjuvant ICI after 5 months of new adjuvant ICI in case of a non-PCR lacks sufficient efficacy. Ongoing new adjuvant immunotherapy research in early TNBC patients Although NTPD1, APD1 and NTPDL1, APDL1 are rapidly changing the SOC for ETMBC, other immunotherapeuticals and new combinations of immune therapies are entering the new adjuvant regimes of patients with ETMBC in clinical studies. In parallel with the uprise of ICI and TMBC, new therapeutic strategies that effectively target other key hallmarks of cancer and with potential synergy of ICI are rapidly emerging. In addition, several studies focus on finding the optimal chemotherapy backbone to accompany ICI. 
This section discusses new adjuvants and adjuvant upcoming combinatory therapies that could be considered. New adjuvant targeting immune checkpoints beyond PDL1. Beyond anthracycline and taxane based new adjuvant chemotherapy, new adjuvant combination therapies with ICI are considered for patients with ETMBC. More studies on ICI in TMBC so far have focused on the PDL1 axis, yet the combination of ICI agents such as but not limited to ACTLA4 is common in other solid tumor types. In the phase 2 DART trial, the combination of anti-PD1 and anti-CTLA4 was tested in patients with advanced metaplastic breast cancer with a response rate of 18%, with all responses lasting for at least two years, indicating durable responses that can be elicited by this combination therapy. In ATMBC, new adjuvant anti-PD1 and anti-CTLA4 combined with paclitaxel in patients with stage 3 TMBC with residual disease after anthracycline-based chemotherapy resulted in a response rate of 58% and PCR rate of 18%. Although these data are relatively disappointing, this per patient population potentially needs additional or different treatment to overcome immune evasion. However, it is important to acknowledge that non-responders to chemotherapy and ICI are a pre-selection of patients with low immunogenic tumors and with potentially other mechanisms of treatment resistance, indicating we may have to expand our treatment repertoire beyond these SOC therapies to kickstart an effective anti-tumor response. Moreover, the ongoing Phase two Bellini trial evaluates the increase in CDAT cell and IFN gamma response and radiologic response after anti-PD-1 with or without anti-CTLA-4 in the new adjuvant setting with only 4 to 6 weeks of ICI, exploring if ICI combination therapy alone can use immune activation and clinical responses. It is expected the new combinations with anti-PD-1 targeting other immune checkpoints such as LAC3 and TGIT will be tested in Phase 2 and 3 trials in the ETMBC field in the coming years. It is still unclear how the effect of NTPD1 could be enhanced by targeting checkpoints that overlap with ATPD1 in terms of expression and function, and if we therefore can truly expect a gain in response rates from these combinations in ATMBC. The first results from advanced melanoma and lung cancer trials lead to muted expectations so far. Until ACT3 is currently being tested in advanced and metastatic TMBC, in advanced and metastatic melanoma, anti-PD1 plus anti-ACT3 resulted in a significant better PFS. Yet, no significant improvement in overall survival was reported. Anti-TAGIT recently failed in the SkyScraper 2 trial where anti-TAGIT was investigated in combination with atezolizumab 
and chemotherapy carboplatin and etaposides for the first-line treatment of extensive stage small cell lung cancer. The combination did not meet the primary endpoint of PFS. Moreover, we still have limited information about what the expected toxicity is of the combination of anti-LAC3 or anti-TIGIT when combined with new adjuvant chemotherapy regimes for ETMBC. If and how novel immune checkpoint inhibitors such as, but not limited, to anti-LAC3 and anti-TIGIT are introduced in the new adjuvant space of ETMBC remains to be seen. Exploiting immunogenic properties of targeted agents Beyond the combination of multiple ICI targets, ICI can be combined with new adjuvant agents targeting other hallmarks of cancer than immunosuppression. The ultimate goal for these combinatorial therapies is to turn a non-infiltrated tumour into a hot immune-responsive tumour. PARP inhibitors have proven effective in metastatic breast cancer patients with a germline BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation, but also have the potential to be effective in cases with other defects in homologous recombination DNA repair. Four weeks of new adjuvant Olaparib with one dose of Dorvalumab followed by new adjuvant chemotherapy resulted in high PCR rates in TNBC stage 2, 3 breast cancer. Among 13 patients with germline BRCA mutations, 11 achieved PCR. The value of PARP inhibition and ICI without chemotherapy still needs to be studied. Indeed, future clinical trials are exemplified by the Aortics-sponsored phase 2 trial. Explore the combination of new adjuvant PARP inhibition with or without ICI. Without chemotherapy for stage 1-2 BRCA mutated TMBC or HRD BRCA NAS TMBC patients. Recently, antibody drug conjugates ADC have been changing the therapeutic field of metastatic brace cancer, especially with the recent presentation of the density braced 04 data, which demonstrated an overwhelming survival benefit with transtuzumab duruxtecan DTXT of SOC chemotherapy in patients with metastatic HER2 low breast cancer. The phase 3 ascent study, PFS, and overall survival were significantly longer with saxitutumab covitecan, a TROP2 directed ADC, then with single agent chemotherapy among patients with metastatic TMBC. The role of SG in ETMBC and whether or not synergy exists in combination SG with ICI remains to be explored. SG is currently being evaluated in the new STAR clinical trial with or without NTPG1 in the new adjuvant setting for patients with localized TMBC. Preliminary data on new adjuvant SG monotherapy showed that the radiologic response rate with SG alone was 62% after 4 cycles and that the PCR rate was 30%, indicating new adjuvant efficacy in localized TMBC. 
the phase two based program evaluates through treatment of atezolizumab monotherapy with or without other biologically agents such as ipasaretib, AKT inhibitor, or bevacizumab, VEGF inhibitor, and studies levels of activated GZMB plus CD8 plus T cells on treatment. However, preliminary results of the Barbican trial reported the addition of ipatasertib to new adjuvant atezolizumab plus chemotherapy did not improve PCR rates in patients with ETMBC. Talimogene Laherparpevec, TVEC, is an attenuated replication component herpes simplex virus type 1, HSV1, that lyses tumor cells and can additionally elicit an anti-tumor response by releasing tumor-associated antigens and providing cytokine stimuli. This can potentially lead to an enhanced tumor antigen presentation of the cells and be complementary on the action of ICI. The SALTY1503 Prometeo trial evaluates the effect of TVEC plus atezolizumab in HER2 negative patients with residual disease on MRI and in a core biopsy after completing standard NAC. The combination of neoadjuvant anti-PD-1, anti-CTLA-4 and talomogene laherperperbec TVEC is currently evaluated in patients with localized MBC or ER plus HER2 minus breast cancer. Overcoming intrinsic ICI resistance For effective treatment with ICI, it is necessary that tumor-reactive TILs are properly recruited and reactivated. Potential hurdles in the efficient activation of TILs through ICI are potential exhaustion and dysfunction of TILs that limit their capacity to control tumors, a biochemical barrier that hinders infiltration or a lack of tumor-reactive TILs or a complete lack of TILs. Several clinical studies aim to support ICI efficacy through an additional therapeutic agent. Combining ICI with IL-2 may be one of the future therapies to reinvigorate these anti-tumor TILs through enhancing the ability of PD-1+, CD-8+, TILs and improved activation and effective function of both CD-8+, and CD-8-4+, TILs. Currently, a large phase 1 study evaluates the safety and anti-tumor activity of a PD-1 linked to a variant form of IL-2 in patients with advanced somal tumors. In line with this, a phase 2 neoadjuvant clinical trial on IRX2, a cell-derived biological with multiple active cytokine components in combination with an anti-PD-1, and chemotherapy in TNBC is exploring the role of cytokine-based and augmented therapy. The iSPY2 trial has reported relevant activity from the new adjuvant combination of chemotherapy, pembrolizumab, and a TLR9 agonist in stage 2-3 breast cancer, leading to an increase in PCR and RCB1 outcomes at surgery.
However, the addition of the TLR9 agonist did not meet the pre-specified thresholds for graduation in iSPY2. As an alternative to reinvigorating dysfunctional TLs, other studies aim to remove factors or cells that may impair optimal TLs function. Upon selection of basal-like 10 BCs, only the Derpod Nuevo, it was shown the immune-rich 10 BC with residual disease was dominated by myeloid cells. The ongoing phase 2 clinical trial tests whether the combination of cabiruzumab and nivolumab with new adjuvant chemotherapy will it decrease tumor-associated macrophages and increase TILs compared with new adjuvant chemotherapy plus nivolumab in patients with ATMBC. Last, T-cell-engaging B-specific antibodies have been developed to redirect cytotoxic T-cells to predefined tumor anti-agents primarily for MHC-independent cancer cell elimination. Simultaneous binding of these B-specific T-cell-engaging antibodies to CD3 and the tumor-associated antigen results in the formation of a lytic immune synapse targeting the tumor cell. Adjuvant The role of adjuvant ICI is now being explored in several clinical trials, as women with residual disease have a higher risk of recurrence than women with other subtypes of breast cancer. I am Passion 030 evaluates the adjuvant addition of atezolizumab versus placebo to adjuvant chemotherapy. The GPAR dose trial investigates whether or not six months of adjuvant atezolizumab after new adjuvant chemotherapy plus ICI affects EFS patients with ETMBC. In contrast to the woman with residual disease that need extra therapy to improve outcomes, women with APCR after new adjuvant therapy may not need any additional adjuvant therapy. In the keynote, 522 patients with PCR did well in both arms with a 3-year EFS of 92.5% with chemotherapy alone and 94.4% with chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab. These findings do call into question the value of the adjuvant phase in those who achieved a pathologic complete response. Whether adjuvant ICI is needed in patients with APCR will be tested in the upcoming Optimi ICI PCR study. These studies will settle the debate regarding the role of the adjuvant ICI component. It will also be critical to evaluate and understand whether or not adjuvant ICI will improve overall outcomes in patients showed a very poor response to new adjuvant chemotherapy. To begin with, potentially these patients have a poor endogenous anti-tumor immune response and may not benefit from additional ICI. The ABRIEF trial are two ongoing clinical trials investigating the effect of adjuvant ICI after non-PCR to chemotherapy. In addition to the new adjuvant combinations, adjuvant combination therapy for patients with residual disease after new adjuvant treatment for ETMBC is rapidly evolving. Adjuvant olaparib for patients with a germline BRCA mutation 
not achieving a PCR after new advent chemotherapy showed significant improvement in DEFS. The synergy between PARP inhibition and ICI is hypothesized based on increased mutation burden, new antigen expression, and immunogenic reprogramming. Therefore, the combination of adjuvant PARP inhibition with ICI will be a logical next SOC option, especially for germline BRCA mutation carriers. Regardless of BRCA status, the addition of adjuvant capacitabine for patients not achieving a PCR after NAC is of clinical significance. An ongoing phase 2 trial is currently evaluating the clinical benefits of a combined treatment with radiotherapy and nivolumab plus epilumumab versus radiotherapy plus capacitabine in ATMBC patients who have residual disease after NAC. Yet, the combination of adjuvant capacitabine and ICI is not tested in this trial. Importantly, both adjuvant capacitabine and olaparib have not formally been combined with adjuvant ICI in clinical trials for ATMBC. This imposes several risks such as toxicity for patients, increasing cost and unclear clinical benefits of the combination of these agents. Nevertheless, safety data from these combinatory therapies are available from studies in patients with metastatic TMBC. As suggested by Tarantino colleagues, pragmatism is warrant. An adjuvant treatment for patients with residual disease may be tailored according to residual cancer burden and germline BRCA status. The addition of adjuvant NTPDL1 to capacitabine or oraparib could become SOC for patients with ATMBC. Although ADC data in the adjuvant setting have not been reported yet, these agents seem to be very potent as monotherapy and potentially in combination with ICI as well. Two promising therapeutics include SG and transtutumac deroxtucan. In the adjuvant setting, the Sasha evaluates the use of SG in primary HER2 negative breast cancer, including TMBC with high relapsed risk after standard new adjuvant treatment. Additionally, in the density breast 0-4, an impressive survival benefit was observed in patients with metastatic HER2 low breast cancer treated with TDXT or a physician's choice chemotherapy independent of ER expression. Future combinations of ICI and DC, especially in the adjuvant phase after a non-PCR are potentially interesting, but evidence of synergy has still to be proven. As there are endless possibilities of treatment combinations with novel and regular agents, it is important to rationally design clinical trials, ideally with strong preclinical data supporting the trial's hypothesis. Who to treat with ICI and when to escalate and de-escalate with ICI and combination therapy. The current ICI indication for TNBC is still on size-fits-all approach for going a tumor and response-guided approach. First, we need to identify which patients will benefit from the addition of immunotherapy. Second, 
we need to identify patients who would benefit from immunotherapy whilst optimizing standard therapy. Third, we need to identify which patients are not responding to current approaches with ICI and or chemotherapy. Lastly, irrespective of immunotherapy, we need to acknowledge that a subgroup of TNBC patients exists that even the absence of any chemotherapy have an excellent survival. Biomarkers for ICI response in ETMBC. Biomarkers for chemotherapy response with or without ICI. First, we need to identify which patients will benefit from ICI added to chemotherapy. Ideally, this can be predicted from baseline characteristics from the tumor or the blood. STILs are an easy and standardized readout for the presence of lymphoid immune cells in the tumor microenvironment of breast cancer. Patients with TMBC reached for STLIs have a higher chance of responding to adjuvant chemotherapy and most patients have an excellent prognosis even without the addition of ICI. Still, these patients are also likely to respond to ICI as they may have endogenous immune reactivity due to the high level of STIL that can be exploited by both chemotherapy and ICI. In the new PAC trial, STILs are immune signatures were associated with high PCR rates approaching or exceeding 80%. Yet, it is uncertain what the contribution of ICI or chemotherapy is. In the Jeopard Nuvo trial, high STILs are associated with higher PCR rates in both the placebo and ICI arm, indicating again that it is difficult to study the effect of ICI and chemotherapy separately. Nevertheless, an early increase in intratumor TILs after two weeks of ICI was associated with increased PCR rates to ICI and not to chemotherapy alone. Expected STIL data from larger clinical trials such as Keynote 522 and IMPassion031 will be crucial in optimizing personalized medicine in patient-centered therapy for future TMBC patients. In Jepat Nevo, PDL1 positivity on immune cells was only predictive of outcome in the placebo arm, while IM Passion 031 and Keynote 522 patients with PDL1 positive tumors had numerically higher PCR rates in both the experimental arms and placebo arms. PDL1 antibody clones show different staining patterns and therefore different percentages of tumors are considered positive, making the clinical utility of PDL1 as a biomarker difficult. A high tumor mutational burden, TMB, has been associated with increased PCR rates in all included patients in the Gepard Nuevo, but this effect seemed to be driven by its predictive value in the placebo arm. A recent analysis of this data demonstrated the low TMB was actually associated with improved EFS in the durvalumab arm, suggesting that chemotherapy alone might suffice for patients with ETMBC and high TMBR. An exploratory analysis of the iSPY2 trial revealed a clearance in circulating tumor CTDNA highly correlated with response to new adjuvant chemotherapy and survival with or without pembrolizumab.
This data suggests the STIL's PDL1 expression and TMB are probably not able to accurately distinguish patients who might benefit from ICI from those who already benefit from chemotherapy and that further research on the use of these biomarkers is needed. Gene expression in future directions in static biomarkers for ICI response. The immune-related gene expression signatures have so far not been able to clearly distinguish response to ICI from response to chemotherapy in ETMBC. In the ISPY2 trial, the STAT1 mitotic anti-cell macrophage signatures were associated with PCR after durvalumab olaparib plus chemotherapy, but the test for interaction with treatment was not significant. In gpart nevo an IFN gamma signature and autoimmune-related signatures were associated with increased PCR in both the experimental and control arms. However, recent analysis demonstrated the expression of these signatures was associated with improved EFS only in the durvalumab arm, suggesting long-term benefits of ICI in patients with pre-existing immune infiltration. As these gene sets only capture part of the complex tumor immune interactions in breast cancer, more specific gene signatures, for example capturing the tumor reactive T-cell pool, might be clinically useful. Specific assessment of T-cell subsets, T-cell functionality or the spatial distribution of T-cells might be key to identify patients who benefit from ICI. In a window of opportunity study in early-stage breast cancer, it was shown the pretreatment experienced CD4 plus and CD8 plus T-cells were associated with clonotypic T-cell expansion upon NTPD1, which can be indicative of a clinical response. Comprehensive analysis by imaging mass cytometry of the pretreatment samples from the new TREP trial demonstrated the high connectivity between epithelial cells and certain T cell subsets, such as exhausted T cells and cytotoxic T cells, was predictive of PCR in the experimental arm with atezolizumab. In summary, this data on spatial distribution indicates the exhausted and/or cytotoxic T cells near tumor cells might be associated with increased response to new adjuvant ICI and less likely with chemotherapy or prognosis. Further translation studies, particularly IM Passion 031 and Keynote 522, are essential to validate these biomarkers. Tailoring of new adjuvant and adjuvant treatment. In the new adjuvant phase, the addition of ICI to standard chemotherapy inspires the question, can we reduce the current chemotherapy scheme for some patients, especially the toxicity of chemotherapy such as fatigue, cognitive dysfunction, neuropathy and cardiovascular toxicity impose us to determine what is actually necessary. Currently, we do not know which toxicity, either chemotherapy or ICI related, affects the quality of life the most in long term Yet, it may be crucial information for the patient to opt for optimizing chemotherapy and or ICI. 
Preventing overtreatment of ETMBC patients should be considered as a priority in trial design, aiming for optimization therapy in the coming years. Omitting anthracyclines in the new adjuvant regimen of taxine carboplatin plus pembrolizumab seems to be a viable option with a promising PCR rate of 58% in the single arm new packed trial. And 48.6% in the randomized NUTRIP trial. Because a higher level of STILs is strongly associated with PCR after new adjuvant chemotherapy and excellent overall survival without chemotherapy, it should be considered to optimize chemotherapy for these patients, which could greatly reduce morbidity without increasing mortality. Additionally, selecting the chemotherapy backbone alongside ICI that can induce optimal immunogenicity and a forced synergy between the two treatments is explored in the MTMBC TOCNIC trial may guide treatment optimization in the new adjuvant setting. Using dynamic biomarkers, one can accomplish the rapid expansion of treatment when, for example, ctDNA can still be detected during treatment. Currently, there is a lack of accurate imaging tools to monitor early response to ICI. Response to ICI on MRI can be underestimated and therefore is less reliable. Fortunately, tumor uptake and biodistribution of the ICI might play a role in response evaluation. New molecular imaging tracers allow for visualization with positron emission tomography of tumor and immune cell characteristics, which might guide treatment decision-making regarding ICI and chemotherapy in the future. Additionally, reducing the chemotherapy burden can be accomplished in the adjuvant setting, with the introduction of ICI in the adjuvant phase for all TNBC patients. The question arises if adjuvant ICI is actually warranted for patients with a PCR and even if this is rational in the case of a non-PCR. A PCR in TMBC patients is a proven factor for good prognosis and no other systemic treatment is currently required. In the new packed trial, new adjuvant ANTPD1 plus chemotherapy yielded a PCR of 60% in two years EFS of 88% in the absence of adjuvant pembrolizumab. Moreover, whenever an effective immune response is elicited during the new adjuvant ICI treatment, leading to a PCR, the memory role of the immune system should pertain to this for a long-term effect. Repeating the same ICI treatment after good clearance of the tumor and the full removal of the primary source of new antigens does not seem in line with the rationale of immunotherapy. When a non-PCI is reached, it follows a rationale to expand current therapy. However, it might be debated if repeating the same ICI therapeutics that evidently fail to elicit a PCI in the first place in the absence now of the bulk tumor and new antigen source will be effective. The observed benefit of NTPD1 in the RCB2 patients in the keynote 5 to 2 could be either due to the adjuvant repeat of ICI or because a more favorable tumor environment immune response was elicited during the new adjuvant phase. It is also plausible 
that the RCAB2 category contains a very heterogeneous and rather large collection of tumors, thereby allowing for more biological differences and therefore responses. Combination with other adjuvant therapeutics, all therapeutics can kickstart an immune response from a new angle, as proposed in the previous paragraph. Who does not need systemic treatment at all? Lastly, irrespective of ICI, we should acknowledge that we may be overtreating a subgroup of TMBC patients who do not respond to ICI or may not need any systemic therapy. Some patients may not be sensitive to any of the current ICI therapies or combination therapies. Finding predictive biomarkers that can identify patients who will only suffer from adverse events without a tumor response will be crucial to prevent the overtreatment of these patients. Similar to the previous paragraph, tumor intrinsic biomarkers as well as STILs and ctDNA should be monitored closely at baseline and during therapy to fully understand their potential in detecting a known response. Additionally, two different prognostic studies confirm that a group of high TIL level TMBC patients exist that have an excellent survival regardless of therapy. TMBC patients with a very high TILs level had a 15-year cumulative incidence of a distant metastasis or death of only 2.1% and should potentially not be subjected to any therapy expansion but rather reduction of systemic treatments. The higher level of TILs could potentially lead to a better response to ICI and better response rates in the current clinical trials. Yet, their overall good prognosis warrants exploration if chemotherapy and ICI can be omitted for these patients. Conclusion ICI has recently found its way into regular practice for ETMBC, with improved pathogenic complete response rates and improved survival upon ICI. A new era awaits where we explore the anti-tumor immune response for these historically difficult to treat breast cancer. This era will bring its own challenges and future studies will should focus on adequate response monitoring for ICI responses, optimizing and reducing chemotherapy burden for selected patients, expansion of adjuvant treatment for patients with a non-PCR and development of novel immunomodulatory approaches making use of baseline or dynamic response evaluation and biomarkers may improve clinical decision-making and tailoring system immune therapy for TMBC in the future. Thank you for listening to Bob Reading.